ladies and gentlemen. Pay attention. This is your boy, the coach from the WWE. I would like to welcome you to the very first wrestling podcast in the world to take you on a weekly deep dive in the classic matches along with legends of the squared circle. Enjoy the discussion. Enjoy the back and forth. There's so much to get into. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Payoff. Welcome to an all-new episode of The Payoff. I'm Tom. That's Jeff. Jeff, how the hell are you doing this morning? I feel pretty good, man. You know, we're uh, middle of uh, almost to the Royal Rumble at this point, so I'm feeling good about that one. Like, you know, we're, we're in just a hot season for wrestling right now. I'm ready to get on the road to Mania. We've got, a you know, an NXT, a big NXT show after that. Like, you know, February, there's just, just a lot happening. So I'm excited about that. Absolutely. <clears throat> awesome. And we're covering Bret Hart, Ric Flair, sold out. Why do we pick this one well, so this is one I actually wanted to end the year on this one. This was one where, uh, you know, kind of looking at it, you know, just kind of trying to find one. Um, you know, just, you know, we, we did some Ric Flair at the end of the year, and I was trying to figure out which match I wanted to do. And this is one I felt like uh, we had talked so much about the screw job that, uh, you know, we really hadn't focused on what happened after he left. Like everybody always talks about, like everybody always knows every detail and all the stories of what happened with the screw job and stuff like that. But, that, not that there's so little out there, but we forget, like, he did then leave. Like, there was, you know, he had a match, matches in WCW after that. And so even I had kind of forgotten a little bit about, like, what happened after that. Like, you know, we were so ingrained in, like, what happened at that Survivor Series that I want to take a minute and kind of look at, hey, where uh, what was the payoff to that? Not just the screwdriver itself, but for Brett, kind of what happened next. And so that's why we got the sold out in 1998 on, on the card here today. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to cover this one. There's, I got a lot for us to talk about during the match. And, uh, yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, you know, it, it, it's funny. Brett was in WCW for a few years, and there's so few things that you can point to and go, oh, well, he had this great match. I mean, it's just – it's amazing how great his work was months prior to this and then how it just completely fell off a cliff. Again, we can point blame at a whole bunch of different things and factors, and but the reality is it's just – not a lot memorably happened, but I do remember this being reviewed as a good match. I've never seen it, so I'm excited to cover it. Right. So let's get into the build. Oh, it's time for the build. So sold out 1998. We're in Dayton, Ohio, uh, about 5,500 in attendance, January 24th, 1998. And um, we had done this sold out thing before. It was kind of morphing more into a normal pay-per-view. The original one was like an NWO special pay-per-view. Um, you know, this particular show, we'll just start at the beginning. Uh, we get a six-man, uh, I'm sorry, an eight-man uh, cruiserweight tag match. Uh, Hoovy, Super Calo, Lismar Jr., and Chavo Guerrero Jr. defeating La Parca, Psychosis, Silver King, and El Dandy. They go nine minutes. Um yeah, just a lot of a lot of talent in there for a, for a quick little nine minute tag match. Chris Benoit is going to defeat Raven by submission in a Ravens Rules match. Chris Jericho is going to defeat Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, to win the Cruiserweight Championship. Booker T is going to defeat Rick Martel um, to retain his uh, TV title. 
that's a guy you don't hear anything about. Like Rick Martel, apparently he just wants nothing to do with the wrestling business. So never does interviews, shoot interviews, nothing. Nothing. But yeah, you never like, hear him. I'd like to see him in the Hall of Fame. I actually think he had a pretty good career. Yeah. Larry Sabisco, who is accompanied by Dusty Rhodes, is going to defeat Scott Hall, who is accompanied by Luis Piccolo by DQ in an eight-man match. Sure. Ray Trailer, your boy, yep, boss man, uh, and the Steiner brothers are going to defeat the NWO team of Conan, Scott Norton, and Buff Bagwell. Kevin Nash, who's accompanied by Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff, is going to defeat the Giant in 10 minutes. Bret Hart uh, and Ric Flair are going to wrestle in the semi-main event, the longest match on this show by far, um, six minutes longer than any other match. And then the main event, Luger defeating Randy Savage uh, via the torture rack in seven minutes. I, I don't know, Jeff. There's just you can just tell these matches weren't good, right? Like you could just tell that yep. the the wrestling on this show is not great. Um, probably outside of the match we're going to cover. Uh, Storyline standpoint, why Ric Flair for Bret Hart's first feud? You know, you bring in you bring in Bret Hart. He's wrapping a match. Eh, okay, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I would have liked to have seen him wrestle on Starcade because he's a really good wrestler. Um, but they do that. And then we get a Ric Flair feud. Not versus yeah. the NWO, but versus Ric Flair. So how do how do we get to this? And I'm guessing yeah, there, it probably didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, and there was a reason he didn't wrestle on that Starcade, which I'll get to you. And so, yeah, of course, like this show, like we said, taking place January 24th, 1998. To put it in the timeline, because, you know, we, we talk sometimes about what's happening in the wrestling universe at this point. The screw job had been November 9th, 1997. So barely, you know, not even three months prior to this, uh, you know, it feels like, you know, 75, 80 days is when the screw job happened. We don't need to go over the screw job. We know all the details of stuff like that. But almost immediately, though, Bischoff was saying that Hart was coming to WCW. Well, you know, we 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 knew he was no matter what. But, you know, immediately started talking about it. Of course, there was the WCW that Brett made and things like that. And so signing his contract that he was leaving, the whole point of the screw job because he was leaving. So, um yeah, what the, the numbers I found here was he had a three-year contract that included a $2.5 million per year salary. Uh, it was a million-dollar increase from the WWF contract and a light schedule and creative control over his, rest, his creative television character. And so... Um, like Tom already said he actually so his debut was actually at Nitro on December 15th 1997 and so he was also like Tom said involved in that Starcade pay-per-view now at the time and this is almost weird to me because he was still under the 60 day no compete clause but like Tom said, he was that special guest referee referee. It was a match between Bischoff and Larry Zabisco, a match that absolutely why wouldn't you want, you know, one, of course, you need a special guest referee referee for that match. But then also if you're gonna pick a match to have Bret Hart being the special guest referee, you want Eric Bischoff and Larry Zabisco, let's be real. And so, um, and so yeah. The uh during Sting and then um but he also got involved as well, too, in the main event between Sting and Hogan. So at least there was a little bit. But, um, yeah, it, it's just it's just very weird. He ended up declaring Sting the winner um, on that one. It, it heart, it, so it established Brett as a face immediately when he's coming over to WCW. Now, it's interesting because to me because to think, okay, he had this 
non-compete, but he was still on TV. It must have just been how non-competes were back then, because nowadays you talk about non-competes, like even people appearing isn't something that happens, which is kind of crazy. And so for him to even, I think, be on TV at this time, I don't think how crazy we realized at the time just that it was. Um, it absolutely was. And so, uh, but his first feud, though, after this kind of, you know, appearing and being in this stuff was actually Ric Flair. And so really what it boiled down to at the time was both wrestlers just saying that they were the greatest professional wrestler of all time. And so um, which in 1998, like, you know, Ric Flair and Brett, it's hard to say that there, you know, there were some arguments there. You could say Flair was a little bit older, but doesn't mean that he still wasn't out there every week. He still wasn't carrying a lot of the promotion himself. And so, um, you know, hard to argue that point. And so very little build for this other than they were just two of at the time two of the best wrestlers in the world and so maybe not from a technical standpoint with with wreck or rick excuse me and and maybe not you know from you know he had a bunch of great matches leading up to this with brett which he had but you know he'd been out and stuff like that but really it's just because we got two of the best let's put them in the ring and see what happens and so we end up with this pay-per-view uh match between rick flair and bret hart well i'm looking forward to it yeah, I, I, I know you said at the top. I have not seen this in. I don't know. Like, I don't know about you, but yeah. Let's do it. It's the two-hour, ten-minute mark. Sold out, nineteen ninety-eight. Two hours, ten minutes. Jeff, are you ready? I am ready. All right, it's time for the payoff. Oh, it's time for the payoff. Two of the greats of all time, and as we had said, leading up to this in a dream match, and you're a part of it here at Sold Out. Yeah, talk about a night of firsts. Wow. One after the other Ooh, this right evening at Sold Out. Now there is a mind game. All right, so nothing different about Bret Hart's WCW attire. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think they had the, the music that he came out to was, like, dubbed, so it wasn't the original music, but whatever. I mean, obviously, yeah. You know, I, I get it. Like, the, the problem is, like, I, I don't know, Jeff. Like, it, it just feels lesser than, right? Like, mm -hmm. Bret Hart, yeah, oh, yeah. okay, still in, like, relatively the same tights. But, hey, it's, you know, different music. And this particular building actually is really small. So it's the like... The building's weird, yeah. It's like a barn almost, like a barn with 5,500 people in it. So it's smaller building. It just feels small. It's like this guy was in front of 20,000 people in Montreal with the place going nuts and the, the Bret Hart music you know and the Hart Foundation with him. Now we're, you know, with this. And I'm not saying necessarily he should have changed his look up but like maybe it was an opportunity for a refresh you know yeah i'm with you it feels lesser than like if he had his music and his presentation that's fine think like cody coming out to american nightmare at wrestlemania it worked really well right but if he came out to a american nightmare knockoff you'd go that's kind of stupid so right. He could have completely changed his look, and that would have been fine too. I don't know, just just an observation there. So, so something else too, and we we cut it or we we started the match before it happened. Brett did the the this, the old like giving the glasses to the kid and stuff like that too. It had you know just before the match as well too, and so yeah, it didn't nothing really. Has, so Brett kind of already trying to get him in a figure four. Um, 
Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I remember it being a big deal in, you know, kind of the, the sheets and stuff like that when Cody did come over to WWE of, are they going to repackage him? And I remember them specifically saying, like, why? Like, you, yeah, ben, you are. Ben said that to him. Yeah. And like, said, hey, is it is is what you're doing working? And he's like, yeah. He's like, then don't yep. change. Like, and so you're literally buying that package. And I think if that, I say debut, re-debut, whatever you want to call it, like, happened any other way, it wouldn't have gotten the reaction that it did. And, and especially at WrestleMania, like, again, for all of Vince's faults, like, boy, that was a perfect, that was a WrestleMania moment. And so um, I just saw, too, I don't know if you saw, it was just not that long ago, Sports Illustrated, that was that was the match of the year on a lot of lists. But then also they said Seth was the 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 number one wrestler of, of 2022, too. And so all those lists, of course. But um, I think with this, too, and I, and I noticed that when we first started this match and we were pausing it, like, the upper, like, 300 level and up, there isn't in this, I I want to say arena. It's not. Um, with the Hera Arena in Dayton, like, it, so, yeah, it's saying the attendance was only 5,400, which it looks like it. It feels like it. Like, you got to wonder, like, it, it was this, maybe, do you wait? Like, you know, like Starcade would have been, you know, yeah, he was there, but like this just looks really weird. Even when they show up the the ramp on this one, too, it almost looks like it, it almost like high school style or like frat style where they're hanging like bed sheets, and that's what the sold out is like projected on. Like it doesn't even it looks real like oh, lo-fi. Yeah, like, yeah, you can see it right now. It's like a cutout, it's really bad. And so yeah, like while I think the like the opponent like Rick and Brett, I think could put on a good match, absolutely. And right now they're moving slow. They're, there's really not a whole lot of like a lot of grappling and stuff like that. But there's no real wrestling and stuff like that. But um, well, and, and just to show you how inept WCW is, keep in mind we're Sting, right? Yeah, it's after the big build to him supposedly going to win the championship over Hogan, Sting's nowhere to be found on this show. Right? Yeah. Hogan accompanying someone to the ring. I, I just. Well, and also what does it say? This isn't your main event. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. So, so remember, okay. Bret Hart is. If not the hottest guy in the business at this point, he's right in the mix with Shawn Michaels, uh, Steve Austin, Sting. I mean, he's, he's, he's in this like top five, that's interchangeable who number one is. Now, obviously, Austin's about to just go crazy here in a few months. But but again, that's what Bret Hart was. So you get that guy. How is this what you do with him? And again, no offense to Ric Flair, but Ric Flair, I mean, no one gave a shit about Ric Flair at this point. Remember that, okay? Yeah. So, you know, how is that the the match that you do? And I'm not saying it should have been Hogan, but just think about the guy. I mean, you had you had uh, Hogan, you know, there. Hey, maybe that wasn't the right fit. You probably don't throw him with Sting. Doesn't you know, baby face, baby face. Okay, I get that. You have Lex Luger. There's some you know built-in uh, stuff from WWF. You have Randy Savage. I mean, how do you not create something and maybe something with an NWO member that's like? a really good build, like beat the shit out of Brett, take him out. And then Brett Hart's going to get his revenge to your point in the main event of sold out. And it's a big debut. 
Like mm-hmm. Bret Hart is going to step in the ring. We don't know what condition he's in. You know, he's going to take it to the NWO. But instead, you know, you get kind of a cold match versus Ric Flair. Ugh. And, and, and we were off and running. The other thing, too, is like, dude, you watch Bret Hart come down to the ring. He, he doesn't have that swagger, that, that, that excitement that he had in, you know, WWE just a few months earlier. I mean, he looks like, hey, I signed a $3 million a year contract. I'm here. But the, but the issue there, Jeff, is, and this is so obvious, and I really haven't heard it, like, discussed much. These guys all had massive guaranteed contracts. You're right. So you're uh, – Flair, whatever. Flair was making a million bucks a year at this point, whatever he's making. Bret Hart's making $3 million a year. What What's the incentive? I mean, just think about this. These two guys, why are they going to sit in the back for an hour prior to going out there planning a great match? And mm-hmm. why are they going to put themselves in physical harm to have a great match? And you could say, oh, well, they love the business. Pride. Bullshit. Give me a break. Why is – Steve Austin, Mick Foley, Shawn Michaels, uh, Triple H. Why are those guys going out and beating the shit out of each other during this era? Because mm-hmm. they got their money after the match, okay? And you can say, oh, well, you know, that's not nice. And, oh, well, they they shouldn't, you know, do that. And, oh, that's really mean of Vince McMahon. He's creating a financial incentive for the people that put on the best performance and draw the best money and steal the show. They were financially incentivized. People work harder when they're financially incentivized. You don't say to your salespeople, here's $100,000, go out and sell. No, you say, here's $50,000 a year. Here's how you can earn another $100,000 a year based on how many widgets you sell. And you go out and you work your ass off all year. So it's the same thing where these guaranteed contracts just absolutely just killed this promotion. And I actually just don't think that's talked about enough. So it's how did you get Hall and Nash and Hart? Well, you gave them big guaranteed money. So maybe you never would have been able to sign these guys. I don't know, but you've got to have, you've got to incentivize them for great matches, for drawing money, for selling merchandise. And that's what Vince didn't budge on. I mean, yes, he gave the, the higher base salaries, the downside guarantees, but there's a reason he didn't budge on that. And you could say, oh, he's just a mean guy that wanted all this control of his talent. No, he wanted to extract the most value out of his talent. Spoiler alert, guess what? That's how business works. That's what you do in, in the real world, too. There's well, nothing. and it did work, yeah. Not like he's paying these people $10 a, a match. He's just sitting there saying, hey, you're you're guaranteed $250, but here's how you can make $2 million. And guess what? The people that drew money, they've always done quite well. Can we get a crowd check? It looks like they're not like. Yeah, you're. You're. I'm gonna start it. You're not gonna hear anything. Right. right now, one, two, and oh boy, Billy Sims almost gets on that. But that, like, even him counting that three count, that was like it was echoing. Like, it, like it may just be how the arena set up. It's amazing how the tide of the. It's just quiet. It's just quiet. And I find it interesting, like, to all your points. So, yeah, to get to your points, I, I totally agree with you. The guaranteed money like that, you know, kind of set it up. I think, too, not like I, you made one point. I, I think that, like, Brett, too, like, maybe he would have felt better if he had left and he didn't get screwed. But also, like, this is we're coming. Uh, Brett screwed Brett. There's really the campaign to discredit him and what kind of what happened and all this other stuff. And so I would say, like, you know, and he's probably said it. I, I would say, like, probably pretty jaded at this point about, you know, wrestling and how he's been treated. He also has to say, hey, OK, 
I'm going to go out and have the best match I can with Ric Flair. And we're going to do this, but also like his best match against Ric Flair, his best match against whoever it might be in WCW is not going to ever get to the level of his best match at WWE. And so at least in this era and the people you were dealing with, I think that right out of the gate, like you said, you you really, you cut him off at the knees by saying, okay, Lex Luger and Macho Man is a better match than you. Like, yeah, I'll involve you in the main event with Hogan, you know, previously but then also also we'll get in a little bit more to the payoff but then he was not on the next pay-per-view so what does that say like you know it really and then we'll talk about who his opponents and who he feuded with and stuff like that but it really like and sure okay you could say well it took some time like eventually but also like we're in the, the are we are we still are kind of the end of the 80 83 weeks at this point what was the last day of the 83rd week i forget but um like, you know, th- we're looking at all that. Like, why wouldn't, if you have Bret Hart, who arguably at the time would have been like the most, like, you know, if social media existed at that point, like all eyes would have been on Bret Hart. Like everybody would have wanted to see what Bret Hart was doing. Everybody would have wanted to know, oh my God, like what is going on with this guy? What is happening? It's like, you know, the the Sasha Banks story all over again. Like, oh my God, she dyed her hair. She's going to impact. Like, you know, who, whatever. Like uh, 83 yeah. weeks ended in April of this year. Okay, so we are literally so they may have they may have seen the metrics here of like it's literally four months after this. Doesn't mean they didn't get some other wins, but we all know kind of what happened. And so, um, Hard but to they were still winning at this point, right? Exactly, especially watch like us watching this right now. And now also like like in this match. So just to speak on the match itself, there has not been like they're they're mat wrestling. There's not a whole lot of outside action. Flair did have like a low blow on Brett, like the kind of standard heel stuff, but like the fans they're not reacting to everyone like that hard cam side isn't moving like what, what uh, i mean what am i what am i reacting to like i i guess what i mean by that is like what what am i what am i supposed to be pissed off about or you know what what dastardly thing did rick flair do that makes me want bret hart to win like i, I just don't i i don't there's just nothing to like uh, there's just nothing for me to care about, I guess. Is, is yeah. the, point. the other, I, the other right. thing too, remember Flair was the baby face horseman coming back to fight the NWO. I don't even know if he's a heel right now. I mean, he's wrestling. cheering for Brett. He just, so he just locked Brett in a figure four and they're, they're all on their feet for Rick, which tells you. Okay, so, that, so, so let me finish the first thought. And I'll yeah, get to that. So, so yeah. Okay. I mean, Ric Flair, he was like a baby face during this era. Like, he was feuding against the NWO, so I don't really... But again, he's working as a heel, but it's like, oh, well, you're just working as a heel. Like, you're not actually, like, this, like, horrible bad guy. Now, the other thing, too, and this has been... You know, this has come up um, in some other feuds. Like, don't forget the fact that there was some tribalism in this era. And, oh, and yeah. Prior. Where some people just like WCW and didn't like the WWF and vice versa. Okay. So keep in mind, there's still people in this audience that are WCW people, meaning, hey, I love, uh, I love any WCW guy. I'm going to cheer for Ric Flair over Bret Hart. Okay. Now, let me throw something else at you, Jeff. Where is this show? Ohio. Okay. And where was Bret Hart a, heel during this era yeah right <laughs> the united states right he's just, yep. the, he's just coming off the whole u.s canada thing 
So yep. not every U.S. fan is going to be like, oh, I'll forget that he, you know, made fun of the U.S. for all of 97, and I'm just going to cheer for him because that mean Vince McMahon screwed him. Some people sided with Vince, myself included. I mean, I I, I said, screw this guy. Like he doesn't he doesn't want to drop the title. It's it's a work. Like you you want to leave? That's fine. Drop the title. Do business. So I had no sympathy for Bret Hart. So it's like I'm not going to cheer for him in WCW. So that yeah, again, I, I think that there are some people in the audience that feel that way. It's not like that. That's the thing is like in in Bret Hart's mind and in some people's minds, like everyone has sympathy for the guy. Understand? There's a lot of people that think that he's you know whiny and should have dropped the title during this era and i think even more so now like the more stuff you watch about this the more people they're like yeah you, you know right you should have you should have done business like everyone else on their way out yeah yeah and go out right absolutely and this is what so, like, so i don't know so i don't so it's like so that that brings up an interesting point which is like okay you're eric bischoff you have bret hart what do you do with him because what they cho- what they chose to do was just make him a, a white meat baby face and prefer that uh, or, or pretend that 1997 didn't happen. Well, and I, and I think too, kind of thinking out loud here with you, like saying making these points here, like you've also got okay, we're on a WCW end up, we're on a, a pay per view that's branded as kind of you know we have the different you know sides kind of going at each other. You've we've really kind of pitted these guys as d- not like WCW versus NWO, but WCW versus WWE. Like, and so it almost, it almost begs the question, like, do you bring Brett in as a heel? Like, you know, for this, like, why, why not have him be the asshole bad guy and like start dominating over WCW? And so like looking at it, like the fans are treated, like they're like thumbs down and flipping them off. Let's see Flair and Kurt. He's got him in the middle of the ring. He sure does. Let's see Flair reverse this one. It's over. Oh, that was quick. Oh, listen to music. Oh, I don't think it's original, though. I think they it's original. Fred, you earned this one, buddy. Our hats off to you. On this night, you were the better man. Hey, there's another one. Why, why, why is he... Why is he... Walk into he WCW and beat. Making the WCW with his hand gestures. Like, why? Why would you have right. any loyalty to that company? You should be a member of the NWO and be a heel. Or you should have been a heel that had your own Canadian stable. Yeah. There's like I said, I, I almost like after watching this match now, I feel like bring him in as the heel. There, there's no reason not to like let him like he's already got some heat on him and people don't like for you know one way he, he's gonna get a reaction. It's like the Roman effect. Like it doesn't matter, like he always said it doesn't matter if they boo me or cheer me, they're gonna react. And so well, I think how to react in a situation like this. That's the problem. Right. And like, but lead our hand a little bit, show us what we need to do here. Because yeah, like that's one, and it would have made more sense. Especially, like they are like okay, you got a few. I think I see a few fans cheering only because he's locking him in the sharpshooter, but also like there's a lot in that like flipping him off on the hard cam side. Like yeah, like that, that's just not happening. I didn't even see Rick submit. Uh, but anyway, um, okay, whatever. <clears throat> yeah. All right, let's get into the aftermath. Oh, it's time for the aftermath. All right, what'd you think? Uh, I think it was an interesting like interest like it was an interesting window into that this time i'm I'm glad we watched it because i I think it definitely kind of revealed 
like WCW didn't have a plan. <laughs> um, and, like they just had no clue how to how to handle him at this point. And so, and I think that it really kind of showed like Brett was really kind of a lost soul at this point too. Like, what do you do with the guy? I think that, but I think that this is almost important to tell as part of the story with the screw job. And I'm glad we went back. I would encourage everybody at home to kind of go back too because it was, while it was a fine, you know, it was okay. The match it was average. Like I felt like it's the larger picture that you have to take it in and just say, Oh, go back and watch this match. Cause it's a great match. No, you can't just do it that way. You have to look at this as, okay, what is like, you can't just say, oh, the screw job happened. Like, no, you got to, you got to take all those factors into account here. What about you? Yeah, I just, I mean, there's, I can't believe how little you did with a guy like Bret Hart. I mean, coming off the screw job, one of the biggest stars in the world, top five hottest talents in the you know, in the business, and you got nothing for him. You bring him in as the ref, like have him screw Sting and join the NWO and be a dastardly heel. Ha- I mean, have him do something. I just don't understand how you, you have nothing for this guy. And that was his entire run. They had nothing for him, which goes back to what Vince McMahon told him, I think in 96, which was WCW would never know what to do with a guy like you. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is like, and, and without Vince saying it, hey, Brett, like, you're you're not the best promo. You're not the most over-the-top character. You're a great wrestler, but we need to, like, protect you and do certain things with you. And that's probably what Vince was saying in a nice way. And here he goes to WCW, and it's like, yeah, it's easy to book Goldberg when the guy's just a freak and you can spear people. But a guy like Bret Hart, it's like, well, we got to have good storylines for him. We got to put him with really good opponents and have great matches. And they weren't able to do it. So, yeah, just yeah. really disappointing, man. Let's let's get into what the uh, sheet said about this. And well, the, the aftermath on this one, too, a little bit here, just to kind of recap, is like, I, I think it's interesting. They got to put him against great opponents. Well, his next opponent was Brian Adams of the NWO. And so on Nitro, that was, his, you know, his his Nitro debut is against Brian Adams. So while he never, jo- like at this point, he wasn't joining NWO, you know, he was aligned with WCW um, and then ended up taking on Kurt Henning at Uncensored, which was two pay-per-views after this one. So he wasn't even on the next pay-per-view. He was on Uncensored and then taking on Kurt Henning, who at this point, you know, you know, fortunately passed his prime kind of dealing with some other issues. And so, um and then you had him getting finally in April is when you had him getting involved in the Hogan Savage uh, storylines as well, too, where, you know, being a part of NWO or not being a part of NWO, be being associated with NWO, you know, he really like, OK, so then he had his and, and it's just weird. So his. You know, on March 2nd was his debut Nitro match. His next Nitro match wasn't even until June 22nd where he beat Chris Benoit. How do you go... I, like if I wish people could see Tom right now because we're on camera. He's just shaking his head like, these motherfuckers. Like, how do you go three months and not put him on TV? Like, it just... It makes no sense. And so... Having that, like, you know, it, or, you know, his, his match like that, like he's on TV, but like, come on. And so like to do that, you have him. And so then finally, it was actually bash at the year. And Jeff, here, let me throw this at you. And, and, yeah. and, and yes, he's making 3 million a year. Think about what he would have been doing over on the other channel. Yep. He would have headlined WrestleMania 14 versus Steve Austin. Okay? Yep. Yeah. So, we would have gotten it. Yep. Which again, nothing. I mean, the, the Michaels match was fine, but 
Hart Austin rematch with Austin winning would have been awesome. Okay. And and that's the match I've always said I wish we would have gotten. Yep. Oh, for sure. So then you might have gotten a rematch at the next pay-per-view. You may have had him, you know, with the Hart Foundation. You know, who knows what would have, you know, I guess Mr. McMahon character never would have been born. But, you know, what's interesting is remember, and I've said this before, but, you know, Steve Austin's reign as champion, they didn't really have a lot of opponents for him. Remember, yeah. H wasn't ready yet. Um, uh, Michaels was gone. Bret Hart was gone. You had Dude Love. And then you had like Undertaker and Kane joining forces and being heels. And uh, it, it wasn't good. So, right. you had, but, but you think about Bret Hart, what he would have done. Maybe he would have got another Michaels rematch. Um, you know, he would have done more with Taker. You would have had another year of the Hart Foundation and, and that angle because there was so much meat left on that bone. So it's just you couldn't contrast that to the bullshit that you just laid out. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So, um, yeah, he he didn't have his first ch- <laughs> excuse me championship match until Bash at the Beach, and so him taking on Booker T, and it was for the World Television Championship. It just like it, it feels like looking at this, it's such a waste, such a waste. And so, yeah. I mean, even if you had done it right, it may have not been great, but it would not have been this. And so, yeah, um, Flair on the other hand, on this one though, um, he ended up kind of no showing a thunder. He came back in late 1998. There was the Four Horsemen or the Reformed Horsemen. We had uh, Steve Mongo, McMichael, Dean Malenko, Benoit. Uh, you had him feuding with Bischoff for a little while, stuff like that. Um, he had a weird, like, granted president of WCW, so you ended up with the Super Brawl 9 Flair Hollywood match uh, for the championship, uh, which Flair ended up losing after being betrayed by his own son. So um, just, you know, which, okay, it makes sense why the middle of this year, the 83 weeks was over. And so, yeah, but... Okay, so PWI 1998, you got Brett at 40, Rick at 55. Uh, The torch on this one said, very good match, although never spectacular. Brett probably didn't show enough fire, but his gimmick is that he is understated. It was well-paced, and the crowd was into the match. The clean finish came out of nowhere, but ended the match with dignity instead of unnecessary controversy. Three and a quarter stars. Observer on this one said this was an old style flare. This was the first old style flare match in a few years. Some were comparing it to the steamboat matches of years ago, but that would be ridiculous as even if Hart is as good as steamboat, uh, it doesn't matter because this is not the same flare to flares credit for his age, just shy of uh, his 49th birthday. He was nothing short of tremendous in the, tremendous in the ring and both were motivated with something to prove and pretty well proved it Match was missing a post-match handshake. The selling was great by both and it came off more dramatic and believable than most three and three quarter stars and so one or excuse me three and a quarter three and three quarters where are you what are you thinking here i mean my payoff score on this is like a four i I mean and that's probably being respectful to the two guys in the ring i mean the match had nothing the crowd had nothing there was no build you did nothing with bret hart you you had done nothing with rick flair in three years I, i mean it's just there's just nothing to this. I mean, mm. WCW was dead. You just didn't know it yet. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, right. Yeah, right? after watching I mean, this match, how did watching, we not? Okay, yeah. People were still watching in high school, in the college dorms. Like, you had this group of people watching WCW that got really hooked during the NWO era. They were, you know, 18, 14-year-old boys, right? That's who was watching this. And then they eventually stopped watching. They grew out of it. Yeah. And I was with you. I was I, I like not watching at this point. And so, yeah, like it really like 
boy, it, this one I'm with you. Like I just like I, I I had it at a three actually because it just while it tells the bigger story, I think it just shines such a spotlight on what was happening in the wrestling industry at that point of kind of what was going on. And we, when we, and everybody knows when we give our scores, we look at all of that. It's not just the match itself. And so I think that like in regards to it, it was a fine match. Like it was a perfectly acceptable five of a match, but I give it a little lower because it just like, there was so many other weird things going on at the time. Like, how do you not take those things into account? How do you not like, you know, we didn't, even if you say in this moment, not even looking at what they didn't do with Brett after the fact, how they presented Brett at this show was really unacceptable. Like you're going to pick the worst of the paths of how you're going to present him. And that's the best option. I just, ugh, man, it just yep. doesn't work for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we watched this though. I mean, not, not, we're not watching everything for right. You know, oh, just Jeff, just line up fifty-two five-star matches this year. No, you, you, you we've talked a lot about this when we've gone a while on this one, it, and it, I think it's important to do that. Yeah, the timeline's interesting. It's 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 interesting to go back. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm glad we watched it. Today. I don't know if I don't know if Bruce or any of the, the guys have done like a, a four-hour, you know, sold-out nineteen ninety-eight show. I would hope like Conrad or none of those guys that have put themselves through this because I can't imagine this show and going four or five hours. Like, but also there is there's a lot to talk about. I'm absolutely with you and kind of having this like it's important to talk about. This is why you and I do this show is because I want it ain't all five stars, but yeah, I'm right there with you. So, Good. um. All right. Well, I want to remind everybody, of course, to New Year, New You, however you're feeling. Make sure you're checking out uh, both of our or using both of our promo codes and our sponsors for the show here at the payoff. Uh, Manscaped, of course, being our first um, first and longest sponsor. Love them here. Some new products coming out as well, too. So make sure to be checking their website very soon here. I'm excited about it. Um, you're going to see it very soon in their store. And so we'll talk about it next week. But then also uh, using the promo code, that's payoff, just payoff. Payoff at manscaped.com. It's getting you 20% off free shipping your whole store. It's at your whole cart. It's absolutely, well, the whole store too. Everything, everything in there is 20% off. And so um, absolutely use that code. It's worth every single penny off that you get saved. And so make sure you're using that one. The other one, of course, true classic tees, you know, not just tees, of course, all kinds of other, you know, menswear, gear, pants, hats, whatever, uh, whatever you're looking for, making your, make sure you're using our promo code there. Payoff 25, that's payoff 25. You're getting 25% off your whole order there. So. All right. All right, Tom. Well, this show is, you know, it may not send us home happy. We can send our fans home happy. Yeah, good good episode. A lot of fun. I'm pumped for next week. We got one more Royal Rumble match to cover this year. And uh, yep. it's a casket match. So thanks, as always, yes. for listening. We'll see you next week on an all-new episode of The Payoff.